Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Do I regret some things? (laughs) 100%. But it is what it is. What up, podcast fans and wrestling fans? Today we have Taya Valkyrie. And I was kicked to right in the face and my nose basically exploded on my face like a soccer kick. She's had runs in all the organizations like AEW, WWE, and Lucha Underground. Plus she is married to the man of a million names, Johnny Nitro, Johnny TV. John, I mean, John. we all know John won tough enough. She spills on how she got her start, her five years training in Mexico, and something very exciting that she's doing with AEW. We have our new show coming out called Johnny Loves Taya. She's really done it all. So if you like this video, make sure to hit a subscribe button. We have a bunch of wrestlers coming up. For example, like one of my first matches on Lucha Underground was a no DQ versus Brian Cage. And he like powerbombed me like six times, like in a row. And I just remember being like, like, Very, very exciting. I can't say who yet. So hit the subscribe button. Make sure to leave a like and leave a comment down below of who you think is coming back to the podcast. When you're getting punched in the face, does it hurt? I mean, when it's done correctly, not necessarily. <laughs> That's, you're, you, you like run into a boot, like people are jumping on you. How does it not hurt? I mean, obviously it hurts. And obviously things go wrong and things, you know, you get hurt or your nose gets broken or whatever. There's a number of things that can go wrong. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little weirdo that likes it. <laughs> what was the worst injury you ever took? The worst one was in Triple Mania in AAA, Lucha Libre AAA in Mexico City, when I first won the Reina Arenas Championship. I'm the first ever non-Mexican born woman to do so in the history of like 30 plus years of the company. And I was kicked to right in the face and my nose basically exploded on my face. <laughs> like a soccer kick. A soccer kick. So someone... Yeah, like my face was downwards as I was coming back into the ring and the girl just went... Oh Did you immediately know? It was like- I knew right away something was wrong. And also I had like <laughs> a flash and I'd, I'm knock on wood, like I'm very superstitious about this stuff. But like I'd never really broken anything. I'm one of those people. I don't know. Like I, even though I did done so many crazy things in sports and dance and everything my whole life. So I knew something was instantly wrong because my face kind of went numb and I saw like a flash of light, so, which means I was like kind of knocked out on my feet. And I remember saying to my opponent, go to the people, go to the people, I need a second, I need a second, because I didn't know what was happening, but I felt like this kind of like dizziness. And when you watch the video back, you can clearly see that I'm going through the motions for like this short period of time. Or you even see me like look at the Jumbotron and wipe my face and I'm like, like what's happening kind of thing. And, uh, And then all of a sudden, like, you know, two more minutes into the match, it's almost like I come to, like I was doing everything, but like, like a robot, like I was just like kind of programmed. So there was no emotion beti- like behind my eyes. I was very much just like going through the motions. And uh, yeah, the- my nose ended up over here. I finished the match. Everything was fine. Did you like- go to medical right away? So, <laughs> Oh, you didn't, did you? I did go to medical right away because my uh, mentor, who is, uh, who's now passed away, but Hijo del Perro Aguayo, he saw me right after the match and he was like, gave me a hug and I'm like crying because it's like a big historical moment in my career and everything. And he's like, you need to see the doctor. <laughs> you, yeah. did, you did great, but like you need, you need to see the doctor. So uh, I was taken basically into the back. I was put in this tiny room. And two doctors looked at me. I mean, in my head, it was like the size of like a broom closet. I have no idea. Uh, And my friend Arginus held my hand, gave me a shot of tequila. And the doctor said, count to three. And on two, they put my nose back in in its spot. And I felt like my whole face shift again. And, you know, it wasn't until the next day when I could go get x-rays. But I was like very adamant, like, please put it back. Because I didn't want to 
you know, when you break your nose, you're supposed to get it rebroken if it's not set properly. So I was happy that that happened. But the next day I found out I had like a triple fracture and I didn't require surgery and I haven't never had surgery on my nose. It looks uh, great. Thank you. I know. I'm so surprised. <laughs> I think I have like major, more allergy problems now because all my little bones are all screwed up in there. But eventually I'll have to get, you know, my nose fixed and stuff. But I think that that's going to be after I am done with the wrestling. <laughs> yeah. How do you handle that when the you're in front of a crowd? Like you literally the got madness. Kicked. The madness. It's crazy. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It does nothing. Nothing about this makes sense. It doesn't. How long have you been a wrestler for? I've been wrestling for uh, 12, almost 13 years. What got you into it? Um, well, I was like a, a ballerina musical theater kid growing up. So I've always been like <laughs> the transition. Seems the transition seamless. is seamless. Yes. But honestly, when you think about it, so many of those things correspond to wrestling directly uh i know that sounds really weird but it's true and I, but i was like picked on a lot as a girl like a little kid growing up because i was like super short i know it's hard to believe you know late bloomer little girl and apparently that meant that i was picked on and i remember seeing like the girls in the attitude era on television and like trish stratus canadian icon uh and just being like oh my god like i wish that i had that level of confidence because I just did not have it in myself. So you watched it as a kid? Yeah, I watched it as a kid. Not religiously? At, not, no, not religiously and not necessarily at home because my family was very like very artistic and so it was like we didn't go to sporting games like my dad never took me to a hockey game it was always to the ballet or to the opera or to an art gallery so I would watch it at my friends houses and like their big brothers and, and stuff like that um, but I remember just being like these girls these women are so powerful like I wish I could be like them and so like when I went to university I went to the University of Calgary um and I studied ballet there at the UC with um the Alberta Ballet Company like I said and uh I just was like I, my friends remember it more than I do because we all like bartended and waitress together and I'd be like one day I'm gonna be a wrestler and so many people were like there's no way like this this chick's crazy <laughs> and then eventually I decided like obviously at that time the internet as I'm dating myself wasn't the way that it is now and there wasn't as much information on how to become a wrestler in Canada uh so I did what I thought was the right thing to do, which was, you know, be like Tori, be like Trish, be like Victoria uh, and start doing fitness competition. <laughs> oh, so that was your transition. That into was it. my like in my head how I was going to get discovered, like how I was going to get this big break. And honestly, um, so I competed in fitness for several years. I won nationals in my category with the CBBF. Um, and then I went on to the Arnold Amateur where I won second. And that actually led to my first tryout in the WWE before I had even started training wrestling. So every year was this 2009, 10 kind of thing. Okay. Um, so honestly, like, yeah, 2009, uh, everything that I had planned in my little brain at that time kind of started working out. That's crazy. <laughs> so you weren't yeah. even doing independent wrestling. You went, no, right because I didn't really like know what that looked like. I didn't really understand, like, how does someone become a wrestler? There's no book about this. You know what I mean? It's not as accessible as it is now and how there's so many indie shows. And in Canada, too, yes, we are a country built on pro wrestling. Some of the best pro wrestlers in the entire history of pro wrestling come from my country. But it's still Canada, and the cities are far apart. It's hard to, like, figure this out. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of went with my gut and what I thought was, like, in my... 19 20 year old brain was the way <laughs> to go and what what did the the wwe training look like then well the tryout i, so sorry, I had a tryout. tryout i had a tryout i was not picked i did not get the job um how but many other people were there there was another girl celeste bonin was there there was another girl from canada um and i don't know like four or five other people i want to say um and they said oh we really like the way you look you know, all these nice things, but here's a school in Calgary. Go find Lance Storm. So I then immediately contacted Lance Storm's wrestling academy. I got chills. Yeah. And then I was training. He brought me in because, like, he does these, or when he had the school, he would do like these three month blocks um, where you're training five days a week for like three hours a day, three, four hours a day. And this, the block for the fall had already started, but he brought me in and he was like, you know, let's see how much you can pick up or like how your body movement is and, and you know, whatever and are all these people there training to be like WWE? pro wrestlers yeah pro wrestlers and at the time there was tna and there was wwe so there are options there were like 
options, but it's still like, you know, it's so hard to break into. And, but I was just ever so optimistic. <laughs> and he immediately, sorry, I keep hitting this. Oh, it's okay. I'm very, I talk with my face and my hands a lot. Um, <laughs> He like brought me in and I started the session. They, I think they were like a week and a t- week or two in and the rest is history. And I ended up doing uh, two different three month blocks with him. I ended up going back and doing another tryout. I ended, ended up getting extra work for WWE and then eventually finding my way to Mexico where I ended up staying for five years and living in Mexico City, working for Lucha Libre AAA. Wow. Yeah. How was that experience working over in Mexico? Because you the whole time you had this vision of America. Yeah, because, so, and being Canadian, you can't just like come to the states and work and do all this. It's like there's you know visas and there's lots of money involved to like get that to happen for you. And like I didn't know what to do. So as a Canadian pro wrestler trying to make it, like you either have to go to the UK, you go to Mexico, or you go to Japan. And I had gotten in contact with Conan, who was working, um, you know, as creative and booking for Lucha Libre AAA, and he invited me to come. And stay in like a wrestler house in Mexico City for like four to five weeks. And I ended up staying five years. What In that same house? No, not. I've stayed there for like a couple years. And then I like moved and stuff like that to a different apartment and everything. But I ended up staying working for that company for a long time. And then I continued to work for that company. And I have worked for that company over the last decade. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think what's so cool about you is you've done so many different crowds from all over. So yeah. you really, I feel like you have a really good edge on pulling that emotion from them. Because you have to... You can't talk. You have to really like dance yeah, to get that out of them. Every crowd is different. A Mexican, Mexico Lucha Libre crowd is completely different than an American one or as a British one or as a Japanese crowd. What makes the difference? Uh, in Mexico, because it's so ingrained in their culture and it's been, you know, Lucha Libre is this magical world that, uh, you know, all the little kids grew up with it in their lives and the colorfulness of the characters and it's really more of like like you the people view them at luchador as a superhero someone out of this world kind of thing and they believe in it so much and so they're so loud and they i really believe that a lucha libre crowd is becomes part of the show who are they comparative to in america like a marvel superhero we, they've gotten compared to Marvel. Marvel's actually done deals with AAA as well because of so much of like the the crossover of the magic that is created in in Lucha Libre. And then when you go to Japan, people are so respectful and like very quiet, but then like clap very politely when you do certain things. And it's just like this oh, oh over the whole crowd. <laughs> I remember my first match as part of Stardom in Japan. I wrestled Eos, who is now Eos Sky, and uh, being like. What is happening? This episode is sponsored by Rosetta Stone. If you don't know, Rosetta Stone is the number one most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. That's right. You can now immerse yourself in the language you want to learn. So whether you're traveling abroad or you want to watch some foreign movies and TV shows, break down the communication barriers with Rosetta Stone. They've been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, the list goes on and on. There's no English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Pick up the language naturally, first with the words, then phrases, then sentences. It's designed for long-term retention. Plus, there's the built-in true accent feature, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation, like having a personal trainer, but for your accent. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Lightweight's podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That is 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem now for 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would and credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Happening Because the crowd was just so different and I'd never experienced that before. And then in England and the UK, they have like so many different chants. Like they take from like soccer chants and different things like that. And they're very loud and lively and fun, you know? And then in America, like, you have these diehards and then you have the people that hate it and then you have the, you know, it's just everything is so layered. But I think that that's what's so cool about, like, a Lucha Libre show is the crowd is part of the show. Right. You were the minority in it, no? 
A hundred percent. Yeah. Was that hard to break into because of that? No, it actually made me stand out more because like, for example, when I met Hijo del Paraguayo, he like basically told me, I think I'd been in Mexico like four days and I don't know how we communicated to be completely honest because I didn't speak any Spanish at the time and his cousin was translating. But also now that I speak Spanish, I'm like, your English is terrible. Like, how did this, how did this even happen? But Pero was like, how long are you staying? And I was like, five weeks. And he's like, no, I think you should stay and be part of my group, which was called Peros del Mal, uh, which was established there for a long time as the most villainous heel bad guy group within ex- extreme wrestling and as well within the TV wrestling of AAA. And so I became the first Perra del Mal, which means evil bitch if you do a direct translation. <laughs> and I was part of that group as like the crazy blonde girl, which is where my nickname La Guara Loca comes from because he gave that to me. Right. How many days were you working doing that? I mean, at the height of my time living like in Mexico, we were traveling around the country, you know, four to five days out of the week. uh, A lot of times doing tours of like the north. And a lot of people don't realize how big Mexico is. Are you working matches those four and five days every day? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What does that toll take on your body? It sucked. (laughs) It was really hard. But like I always say, especially to people that are starting out, like your best practice is practice in front of fans. Like they are going to tell you if you if they like it, if they don't like it, if it pisses them off, if it makes them happy, they'll be very honest, sometimes too honest. Um, But and so that was basically how I looked at it. Like I was just so in grained and then like surrounded by this world that like this was like I just was taking in every single second opportunity that I could get my hands on to be part of this world and and I think I did that and obviously like that time in my life was very hard you know I'm this tall blonde Canadian girl in the heart of Mexico City taking the subway learning a language being in a culture that isn't mine and trying to find my way within a world that might necessarily not accept me. And I made it work somehow. So I would never take that time away from my life because it was so crucial to me for me to get to where I am today. Being on the road those four or five days, probably even longer, how were you able to train and still maintain your body? It, you didn't. Like you were traveling. Sometimes we were on bus rides for... 12 hours going from one place to another. Like, it was crazy. Like, now that I think about it, it was crazy. If my daughter, if I had a kid and she told me that she was going to go do this, I'd be like, absolutely not. Like, it sounds insane. Yeah, it's very insane. And I don't think that I realized how insane it was until I, like, left. Yeah. And then people would ask me about it once I lived in the States or my now husband John would talk to me about it and I would tell him things and he's just like what the hell how did you I'm like I have no idea how I survived some of that stuff but I mean some of my best (laughs) friends some of my best friends like come like I'm still best friends with so many of those people because we lived and experienced this crazy thing together what's the biggest difference between the lucha and the American wrestling that we see on TV. Um, well, Lucha Libre in general, like, is just a lot more colorful if you look at the characters themselves, like the costumes, like the over-the-top entrance looks and the drama of it all. Um, and also the style. You'll notice that the Lucha Libre style is a lot quicker. There's a lot more flashy, over-the-top, like, dives and arm drags and flair, right? And it's less... I liked, I mean, in my eyes, it's less about storytelling and more about this like visual crazy experience. And then whereas American wrestling, although we all do like the dives and the crazy things like that still, there is more storytelling and it's more story based. Did you have a women's locker room doing that or were you just thrown in with the men? Well, I mean, it depends. It depend- <laughs> On the venue? It depends on the venue. If I was, you know, in changing in the van, changing the bus, changing behind a haystack. uh, (laughs) Or if we were in like a TV venue, obviously we had like locker rooms and stuff like that. It was was just such a humbling experience. Did you film any of this at the time? No, because I like was so poor. I was so poor. I had like the worst phone. I mean, I have tons of photos and stuff like that. And there's tons of video of me wrestling because AAA obviously had a TV show and stuff. Yeah, it was nuts. I wish that I'd like had you know more money to like get a video camera out and film it and I guess I was just so in the moment that I didn't even think about it but it was it was definitely crazy I feel like I try to like write down stories that I remember now and like I'm glad I have a lot of photos and stuff because I eventually want to write a book and the book's gonna be crazy but 
yeah. I can't even imagine the stories. Yeah, my mom now is kind of like, because I'm friends, for example, like with Phoenix and Daga and Pentagon, and we all kind of started in AAA at the same time. And like, we'll talk about stories. And my mom was there at Christmas this year, and she was just like, what? Did this really happen? And I was like, yeah. She's like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't tell me. And I'm like, well, I didn't want anyone worrying about me. I was perfectly fine taking care of myself. Did did she ever come out and see you wrestle? Yeah. My okay. mom came out a lot. My dad came out a few times as well. Um, I mean, it was just some crazy part of my life and a crazy chapter in my life. But seriously, without that, I wouldn't be where I am. And I also just think it makes my story and everything just so much more interesting. No, yeah. Nobody's story compares to mine. No. <laughs> Would the matches ever get really real? Like, can you explain what a ticket is? Is a ticket. A receipt, you mean? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Can you explain what a receipt is? A receipt is uh, if someone hits you really hard wrongly that you hit, would hit them back. Um, I mean, I was so petrified of everybody when I was there most of the time because I was the new girl, right? I was also the Canadian girl. And, like, I don't think a lot of people wanted me there, <laughs> honestly. But so that happened a lot. I would get beat up a lot. Um, and you, I was. Would you give it back harder to try and balance, like, say, chill I was. Out? I, I mean, there was a few times when I did, but there was a lot of times where I was just like, you know, like I was just there to do what I was supposed to do. And I knew that if I gave someone a receipt, I was going to get the receipt back. <laughs> I mean, that was like a long time ago. The culture and everything is so different compared to like now I have so many people who've gone to Mexico and had like these wonderful incredible like learning experiences and they come back and they're like oh my god it was so lovely I'm like thank god like (laughs) because I'm glad that it's changed I'm glad that the women's locker room has changed I'm glad that the men's locker room has changed I'm glad that people feel safe and comfortable to be in that space because it is a wonderful learning experience and people should experience that you can't explain lucha libre to someone who hasn't experienced it firsthand john i mean john we all know john won tough enough oh yeah yeah so john won tough enough out of college so our our (laughs) arrivals into pro wrestling are very different (laughs) so whenever we tell like stories or whenever we're talking about it stuff and he's like oh this was so hard i'm like listen (laughs) you don't even know What's the biggest difference between AEW and independent wrestling? I mean, it's a TV show, so anything that's a television show is going to be different just because the style is for TV compared to the style for independent wrestling. Um, I feel like there's a lot of more similarities between AEW's style in the ring with indie wrestling compared to WWE because people are able to take more extreme risks in AEW. People are able to, you know... Uh, we have more variety of styles. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's just so cool to be part of something so new. I love being there. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there when it first uh, was created, but I am coming in at a time where I feel important and that I'm helping to bring this company to a higher level and helping to bring more eyes to the product and helping to create a future because the more jobs out there for us within the pro wrestling world, the better. You know, this is putting food on the table for hundreds of people. If it's not a wrestler, it's the person behind the scenes. And we have hundreds of and hundreds of people working behind the scenes so hard from our makeup artists to our props people to our, you know, the people that are in charge of our, the fireworks our entrance you know like this is created Tony Khan has created this company that now has given us so many more opportunities and I mean obviously forever grateful for that because it used to be such a monopoly you know it was you know you got to go to WWE or else you really don't have anything or you know an impact was always there from the beginning with TNA impact and now back to TNA which is amazing because I absolutely enjoyed my time there 120 percent so it's just cool to see that there's just more jobs and more jobs and more pro wrestling is good for everybody. And you get to be paired with someone special now. Yes. Who's that? <gasps> My husband. <laughs> Everyone knows him as 20 million names, John. Yeah. <laughs> but he's Johnny TV in AEW and we are uh, finally paired together. We really hadn't been paired together since 2019 because he had gone back to WWE at that time and I was still under contract with Impact Wrestling. We did a little bit in MLW last year, but um, this is like now like we're full on like going in. You're together. Yeah. You're married. Yeah. Living in the same house. Yeah. So what's that like being married to a wrestler? 
I mean, he's the only person I've ever been married to, so I don't know any different. But but is it like, are you guys just constantly like talking new moves, like new ideas no. for character development? I feel like we talk about wrestling sometimes, but I also feel like we're so multi-layered and different, have different interests and different hobbies that, you know, it would be boring to just talk about one thing all the time. So it's cool to have someone who's as creative when it comes to not only things in the ring, but things outside the ring. And we can talk about all those things. How'd you guys meet? We actually met on Lucha Underground. Um, we had met like before in passing because he had come and done some shows in AAA. And I was just like so excited that someone was there that spoke English because I've just <laughs> been speaking Spanish for so long. My husband. And it was very rare <laughs> to have someone just have a full conversation, like ask me questions in English. And I was like, oh my God. I was just like, and he was so nice and everything, but that was kind of it. And then when I went to Lucha Underground, um, we were put together right away. And I was just like starstruck because I had obviously known who he was in his you know prior run in WWE and was just like oh my gosh like I'm new like I don't know what I'm doing and they were just like no you're gonna be in a group with uh Johnny Mundo a uh, PJ Black and Jack Evans and I was like okay and here we go another ride another chapter and uh yeah he the rest is history we started you know hanging out and he followed me around the locker room and wouldn't leave me alone and I finally said yes to go on a date with him <laughs> where'd you guys go um he took me to Hamilton in New York, the original cast oh, of Hamilton. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, we were on a press uh, tour kind of thing. I think it was for a Comic-Con. And I remember I had, you know, I was still living in Mexico and I really was so disconnected from American pop culture or anything that <laughs> was pop Hamilton? culture. And I literally, he was like, I got to take his Hamilton. He was so excited. And I was like, I don't know what Hamilton is. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm kind of tired. Like, I just want to like, go to sleep. And he's like, <laughs> like so stressed he's like no we have we have to go I worked really and later on I found out like he this was original cast Hamilton he had bought like these tickets from like somebody like, I was, don't know how he got these tickets we ended up going and I was just like that was so cool like because he knew that I came from musical theater and dance and I had the best time but like it's funny now because he's like you did not want to go to Hamilton like, they were what is really hard to get at the time yeah and I, well, that was like the big first date and other than that it was like you know I remember him taking me to sushi in Hollywood and me just being like oh my god look a Trader Joe's <laughs> because I was so completely out to lunch when it came to anything and I was like my mom loves Trader Joe's and he's like this is the easiest date I've ever been on you're happy with like a California roll and pointing out at the Trader Joe's <laughs> and yeah now we've been married five years <laughs> do you guys have a, a ring at your house we used to have a ring at our house yeah we used to have a ring at our house, and then when we got married and we bought our our new house that we have right now, um, I was like, we cannot have a ring at our house anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, imagine like the wrestlers in the neighborhood all know you got a ring in your house. I would wake up to thumping and noises in the backyard, and it's Super Panda and Luchasaurus out there running spots at like 10 in the morning. Like, come on now. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. You also watched him do a boxing match. Yes. What was that like for you? So, so stressful. I mean, I feel like I've always, you know, known what the script is when I've watched him fight, you know, wrestle. And this was the first time in my life where I didn't know what was going to happen. And I'd never been in that position before where I'm like, oh, my God, like I knew he'd been training so, 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 so hard. Um, like Josh Barnett was his coach. Uh, he was training in L.A. nonstop, like constantly. Um preparing for this because this was like a really big challenging and I was like listen bro you gotta win the whole entire wrestling industry is on your shoulders you have to win and he's like okay look you know and a bunch of us went down to Orlando or was no sorry Tampa to watch uh creator clash 2 um and him uh fight Harley and like there was like 20 of us that walked him to the ring and like right before we go out Josh is like, hey, Taya, I'm going to need you to be the corner man with me. And I was in a, okay, I was in sparkly, like six inch heels, a sparkly romper, like ready to sit next to my best friend, Mackenzie Mitchell in the front row, live my little boxing wife, you know, era kind of thing. No, they made me sit with Josh in the corner. Not only did I have to keep like time on my phone while I'm watching John and his first ever boxing match, I had to wear the black plastic gloves and then I had to carry the spit bucket. So that's why you see me like literally walking to the ring in a bedazzled Barbie romper with a garbage can and black gloves on. And then I had to take my shoes off because I couldn't get up and down the stairs fast enough. 
it was a mess. And because I don't know the rules of like how you're supposed to act when you're in that corner spot. And the um, commissioner for the boxing, whatever, was like sitting next to me. And I was swearing. Like I was screaming. Oh, they don't want you to curse? They don't want you to like scream because like <laughs> obviously like the coach is sitting next to me. And then the your boxing commission guy is there. And I'm like. I don't know if I can swear on you. Yeah. Fuck him. Fucking fucking fit up, that stupid bitch. Get him out. Like all this stuff. And Josh is like putting his, he like slapped me on the leg and he's like, shut up. I need to be able to talk to John. Like, cause he's giving him, you know, the pointers. The points. Like, watch this, do this. And the commissioner's just like, yeah, you need to, you need to calm down. And I'm like, <laughs> so freaking stressed. So when he won, like he knocked him out like three times yeah. to finally have the, to have the match literally Harley was knocked out of the ring on the announce table broke some laptops came back in John knocked him out again it was crazy would he ever do it again I think he would it's tr- uh, okay <laughs> all the power to him okay, okay. it scares me a little bit but uh you know if, if he wants to do that I'll support him obviously in whatever crazy dream because I mean nothing about our life is normal so here's just another thing like just chalk it up um but yeah it was it was really interesting and just to see him get so into something else yeah, and another physically demanding field. So yeah, like when he won and I ran into the ring, I'm barefoot because I had no shoes on and I have those rubber gloves on and it's just not, it wasn't what I envisioned for myself, but <laughs> it's okay. Cause he won. <laughs> How do you really create a character, especially for yourself? When you say character, do you mean like the way that my character looks or do you mean like the personality? Both. Both. Well, Taya has always been Taya. She's just kind of evolved through like eras. Just like any, I feel like singer would or with like a hairstyle or whatever, whatever that is or a style of music or whatever. Um, So I've always kind of been the same. She's just gone through like phases. So for example, like my last run in Impact, I was part of the Death Dolls. So I was like a little bit more gothic. And now I'm back to kind of being like the bougie, bad, like badass wife ass kicker I don't give a shit kind of personality when I was in NXT I was like much more girlier and kind of carried my little tiny Pomeranian Presley around and yeah like I just think I've always kind of consistently been the same but just gone through phases like a teenager would right (laughs) you know what I mean yeah and with looks I mean I've always really been into costuming and fashion and creating visual moments and I feel like that's what wrestling is people should know who you are or what you stand for or you know who your character is as soon as you walk through the curtain everything has to mesh together and you have to be just so over the top but also so like on the nose you know what I mean? Is that something you think you learned from when you were watching it as a kid like you knew what Trish Stratus was about you knew what Lita was maybe and I also just think that like being in the arts, you know, characters in plays and in ballets and, and when I watch my favorite singers on TV or when I have my favorite TV shows or movies, like, you know. And that's like, I take from all these kind of special things that I love to create that visual moment that I want for my fans. You were part of NXT when they became NXT 2.0. Oh, yeah. So that was, <laughs> you also wrestled during the pandemic there. So yes. there was no crowd. Yes. So everything you trained for was just out the window oh, during this opportunity. Yeah. Was there a lot of chatter in the locker room as far as like how everyone was going to handle everything? So I came in 2021. So I wasn't there for the whole 2020 total complete lockdown. I But I heard all about it as soon as I got there. And obviously I had friends that had been there who had been released during that time, gone back during that time. So it was very crazy. Like I was like, I now that I look back on it, I'm like, how could this like grand opportunity that I've worked my entire life for just be during this time when the world is literally a dumpster fire. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. Um, and wrestling, like during the time in 2020, when I was wrestling for Impact Still, we were wrestling in it with no fans. And we had to really learn to talk in matches and be creative about how we do things because we're still trying to get people to watch, you know, to be involved and invested in these characters. So it was really hard, but I we had a lot of fun with it. And then when I got to NXT, they started having um, small crowds in the PC that they had turned into those the small arena that it still is today. What's the oh the, the performance center? Yes. Um, so we had some fans, but it was still not 
there. I never got to go on any house show loops or anything because none of that existed. Uh, when we had practice matches, instead of because you know we couldn't do the house show loops, it was in you know in front of a panel of coaches that, with nobody else in the stands. It was all very strange. Yeah, it was very very strange. But um, were you living there at the time, or were you traveling back? Then? No, so. When I got hired, they wanted, they uh, like basically asked me, like, do you want to come and live in Orlando? Or, like, what do you want to do? And I said, I would like to come and live in Orlando for a little bit because, first of all, the rings in WWE are completely different than what I had been used to. They're bigger than the ones at Impact, they're bigger than the ones that you have on the Indies. How much bigger? Like two feet wider. Yeah. Like, everything is just bigger. The ropes are taller. The ropes are different. I'm used to cables and they had like rope ropes and like it just everything was just different and like I was like I want to I just want to feel comfortable in what I'm doing and be part of this experience because it was so crazy especially after how long I'd been in the business but I was so open to that I was like yes okay we're gonna go we're gonna get an apartment John fully supported it um we kept our house in LA thank god thank god uh and we stayed you know and Baldwin Park where it's like you know five minutes from the performance center and I was just in it you know and uh do I regret some things (laughs) 100% but it is what it is yeah so it was a very hard very hard year for me um I learned a lot I learned what I don't want I learned what I do want I learned who I was who I am and if anyone knows me as a human being outside of wrestling and who's followed my career, like I've never had the easy way. And maybe that makes me stupid for keep to keep doing this, but I've had a lengthy career and I have a lot of respect and I've worked really hard and I never give up. So even though that opportunity did not turn out the way that I wanted it to, I took that rebuilt myself, came back, got my dream job and I'm at AEW. That's amazing. So, for your time at the Performance Center, is there a ring that you can just constantly go train on your own free time? So they would have classes for different people, and different people were like kind of split up into groups and things like that. Um, so when generally I would train with the women, and then they'd have like open ring when you could kind of go and do your own thing. So often I would go and do like my own cardio or my own kind of drills when I had time off because I just like being there. You know, it's kind of like a it was like a calm, safe spot for me, because sometimes I would just be the only one in one of the practice rings and I would just like do drills by myself or John would come and we'd work on different things or some of the new girls would be like, oh, can I show you something like it was it was a very like magical space to be in because like there is no other space that's kind of like that where you have access to like eight different rings at once. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it is what it is. is. Was your ring at home all regulation? Like the it same. was smaller. Like it was one of the probably like a it was one of the smaller rings. The ropes were different. Um, I mean, it was older. Like you have to think like AEW WWE rings, TNA rings, are all like being taken care of like perfectly. Like it was yours are, in the backyard? Oh yeah. So it was just it was <laughs> it was kind of you know the California sun didn't do it any favors, um, but still it's a ring. Like I just love being able to get in a ring especially just with John or just with like one or two friends and work on different things and creatively play ideas off each other. Um, so that was the most fun was like just being able to do that and having access to those, those things on a regular basis. Yeah. Can you give me a list of your top three worst moves to be receiving? Um, oh, I mean, it's all bad. No. <laughs> I think the most painful stuff that I've taken has been like powerbomb type things. And also I've done like a lot of intergender wrestling. So I've wrestled a lot of guys too. And like, for example, like one of my first matches on Lucha Underground was a no DQ versus Brian Cage. And if you don't know who Brian Cage is, like it's a giant man. And he like powerbombed me like six times, like in a row. <laughs> and I just remember being like, oh, like that was... A lot or like choke slammed by Luchasaurus on an indie or things like that or the Tejana bomb by um, Raquel on NXT like because that's like the height I think more than anything when you're being thrown on your back is probably the worst <laughs> have you ever done hardcore matches yes what are those like I've done um, 
I like to do stuff like that, like no DQ and hardcore stuff when it's like the end of a feud. I feel like it shouldn't just be like thrown out there just like anything. So there, my most violent kind of looking stuff has come like at the end of a feud or winning a championship or winning back a championship in AAA. Uh, when I just got released from NXT, I was like in this like, I need to feel everything. I want to feel everything kind of mode. And my friend Paro, who uh, lives in Orlando, asked me to do... He's like, do you want to do a death match? And I was like, what's a death match? A, <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> so little old me decided that uh, at WrestleMania weekend in um, Dallas, Texas, that I was going to have a death match with Pero uh, in this weird building on cement with light tubes. Yeah, it was. As crazy as it sounds, it sounds. <laughs> yeah. When you're doing those extreme matches, do you do the people genuinely just go to Home Depot and buy light tubes and buy? Like- yeah, it's pretty much that. Yeah, and I didn't really think this through. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things I don't think through. Uh, but like, I was just so just like in this mode of like, I need to prove myself. I need to prove myself. I need to just feel what this is, and like, I just wanted to like get, sink sink my teeth into everything all over again. Um, and so I did it, and I had fun doing it. And then I was supposed to, and of course, I showed up in like white, perfectly white gear, with white fluffy boots to Naturally. a death match because that's what Ty Valkyrie does. And she looked adorable, honey. Uh, uh, and then after that, I had to run back to the hotel through the lobby covered in because I kept my gear on because I had to be returned to Impact Wrestling at their pay-per-view they had that night, which was in the same building as like in the same as the hotel. So my friend Heather Monroe was with me. Thank God for Heather. And we were running through the lobby. I'm covered in blood and dirt. And there's cops in the lobby and they're just like, oh my, oh my God. And I'm like, I'm fine. It was my choice. I got to go. And I like ran past and Heather was just like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And we went up the elevator and like stripped me, put makeup on me, put on another outfit, shower, whatever. And then I was, I had to be at Impact like 35 minutes later. And then I went out there and challenged Deanna Perrazzo, (laughs) Reina Reina's championship. So yeah, it's been crazy. How do you not have scars? Like everywhere? I do, I do have scars. I have some on my forehead right here, but um, that's the power of skincare. <laughs> Are there any dream matches of yours that you've always wanted to do, like a Hell in a Cell or like? I mean, I'm really excited to kind of push those limits because I've had all the, I've had like these no DQs in other companies, but I really want to bring that Wera Loca crazy style to AEW. And I hope that I get that opportunity to like show the world, show the people like why I am the crazy blonde, why Paraguayo is literally like, oh my God, this crazy blonde chick. Like, you know, that I earned that nickname 12 years, 10 years ago. Um, and I want to bring that to AEW. So I don't necessarily know like what would be the absolute stipulations of it, but something, you know, no DQ with some badass women. We've got so many in our locker room. Who I would know you challenge? we would deliver. I mean, I think that I would definitely go after Ruby Soho because I feel like me and her could create some absolute mayhem. Hello, Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have another rematch with Deanna. I just wrestled her uh, last weekend on Di- last week on Dynamite. Um, Soraya, I've never wrestled her. You know, I just feel like there's you know Chris Statlander. I had I've wrestled her like once now, and like she's so strong and so powerful. I don't know. Like there's just so many of us that like we all are just we love this so much. And when given the opportunity, I know we would absolutely thrive. And so. Yeah, let's get messy. <laughs> what brought you out to Japan? Who? What company was that with? That was with Stardom. That was right after I had come to live in the States with John. And I had gone to Japan once before with AAA because we had done Cork and Hall. And then I had done a show in L.A., where a bunch of the girls from Stardom were at and kind of that started the conversation. So I went and did like two and a half weeks, which was just three shows out there um, with Stardom. And it was so fun. I'd love to go back to Japan. I'd love to do New Japan here in Los Angeles because they have a dojo here, obviously. Um, so hi. Hi there. 
New Japan. <laughs> um, I would love, you know, I'd love to revisit that because I had so much fun there and I love the hard hitting style. I love how strong and crazy those women are as well. So love it. <laughs> Who is your favorite people to really work with? Match wise. Match wise. Um, I just feel like it's every, it's all these people that, I mean, in wrestling, they call it like being married to when you know someone really, really well because you've wrestled so many times with them. I feel like my history with the Death Dolls, Rosemary and Jessica Havoc, we have such a sisterhood that no matter like that we don't work in the same companies anymore, we always check in on each other. I love working with them and how creatively we all mesh together, even though Taya, Jessica and Rosemary were such different people. I always compare it to like, Nobody wants to play with the same three dolls. You want to have all different types and you want to have all different types of styles and things like that. And I felt like that was, you know, perfectly meshed together. And yeah, and I'm just getting to know like the girls at AEW and I feel like I want to play with Chris Statlander some more because I loved wrestling her when, like I said, all the girls I mentioned before, are like Ruby, Soraya, like all of them. I just... There's just so many first time and also just so many people that I know have that same intensity and love for this that I do that we would create something really crazy and, and fun. Speaking of dolls, we have yours here. <laughs> yes. How many are there of these? Like, don't you have a bunch of different? Yeah. So there was one that came out from a different company years ago. I think it was called like Future stars of wrestling or something but this one has been done by legends of lucha libre with master public i've been working with master public on and off for years and years and years they do a ton of work with helping luchadors um getting bookings in the u.s as well as helping with like visas and things like that um so they approached me a few years ago about doing this taya action figure and there she is she's so cute was that a dream of course of course you want to have an like especially like when i saw her for the first time and she was done so well and like down to my tattoos and, and the detail work that they had done. I was just so happy with her. And there's a new one that's coming out that comes with, that's the same brand and everything that comes in a different gear that I wore at Madison Square Garden when we did the Lucha Libre AAA show. So we re recreated that. I mean, she comes with two heads. One is like the normal, happy, normal head. And then the other one's bloody. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> Naturally. And she comes with a staple gun because I've been known to carry around a bedazzled or pink staple gun in the past. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the We Are Brilliance collection. We Are Brilliant collection that's coming out um, where it's um, dolls more like kind of like a Barbie shape uh, doll. And it's about women in the workplace. So you have a doctor, you have a nurse, you have a vet, you have a, you know, a pilot and you have a wrestler. And me and Lady Maravilla are the two uh, representations for wrestlers. Yeah. And my I Am Brilliant doll and the new version like this one come with a Presley. It's oh. my dog. <laughs> So Presley now has two action figures coming out and I'm very excited for him. But yeah, I'm very excited. They are so cute. The um, I Am Brilliant doll comes in the pink gear that I wore um, at Slammiversary in 2019 um, when I had the pink bedazzled staple gun uh, with the jacket and everything. She's so cute. And they, uh, everything is on pre-order right now and everything is starting to ship real soon. So. Do you collect your own action figures? Of course I have some at home. <laughs> but I also collect all my friends. So, you know, Taya stands on a shelf with Rosemary. She stands on a shelf with Chelsea Green. Johnny, obviously my husband. Uh, Matt Cardona. Like, all my friends. We kind of, like, I have them all together. So. Do you play with them? I just have them on the shelf. They look cute. <laughs> I also have a Lucha Libre-themed guest room. So, like, I have a lot of, like, my artwork and things like that displayed in there. So, they live in there. What do you do with all your old costumes? Ugh. I'm a hoarder. <laughs> I have so much stuff. I've there's actually a bin in my garage that like John's like, what is this one? Don't touch it. And it's like all my old Mexico City stuff that's yeah. like the original. Like I look at it now, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I wore this on TV. <laughs> because it was just so basic compared to what I'm doing now. But like I just feel like they're all little pieces of my life. And yes, I've sold some stuff in the past. I'm actually disappointed that I sold some of stuff that I did when I lived in Mexico, but that was only because like I literally needed the money to eat uh, that I wish that I could have kept now. But so now I feel like I just like hold on to everything because they all have a story and it, 
yeah, they all have a personality and they all have a moment in, in my career and in my life. So I have a lot of stuff. Bins and all the eras of Taya in separate bins. <laughs> Are you in any video games? Um, I'm not yet in any video games, but yet? hopefully, you know, AEW has had its video game come out and uh, hopefully I would be hoping that in the next version I would be in it. So fingers crossed. <laughs> what other dreams do you really have? now because we have the action figure Mm -hmm. I mean within wrestling I feel like I just want to continue to prove myself and win championships I haven't won a championship in AEW yet I hope that that changes very soon do you get to keep the belt no you you pass yeah whoever whoever wins it next gets to take it I mean I I would love to get like a replica wall of the championships that both John and I have you know won over the years but we don't have that yet but uh yeah no you don't get to keep it which is something that people think we do. And I'm like, no. So like that triple A belt, I really wanted to keep it. I was like, but it has so much history. You guys need a new one. Yeah. Make a new one. <laughs> Let me keep this. Because it meant so much to me. And Conan, who's like my literal wrestling uncle, he has believed in me since the beginning. It's just like, no. You have to give it back. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I just want to win a championship. Multiple, you know, cement my legacy within AEW. I'm currently, you know, going to be going after the new ROH Women's Television Championship uh, coming up real quick. So everyone better pay attention to that. And uh, yeah, just go for more, go for more gold and just keep cementing my legacy. I'm a first generation wrestler. I created this path for myself. Um, And so I just want to make sure that I'm, I go down in history as one of the best. Saying that, what do you think the advantages are from the second generation wrestlers. I mean, I can only speak about what it feels like for me. I it's hard sometimes, you know, and it's I feel I feel like that exists in every industry though. I don't think that's just in wrestling. Right. If you look at music, if you look at acting, if you look at even in the corporate world that happens, you know. And like some people that are second or third generation be like, but it's hard. I have to like live up and I can't even imagine like Dominic Mysterio having to live up to Rey Mysterio. But like it's you know, like from my personal experience, it has been hard, but also it's so rewarding because I've just creating my own path and my mom and my dad are so proud now that like, you know, at first they were like, all those years of ballet and that money that we spent, I don't understand, like it just went to nothing. And now they're like, oh no, we see it. Like all that discipline that I was ingrained in me, all the the performance aspects, my absolute like meticulous attention to detail when it comes to everything is, you know, it all has come together in creating who Taya is. What does your dad think when he sees a death match? Has he seen any? I don't think he's seen any of that. My dad's like a very quiet Swiss man who's, you know, French. <laughs> so he has seen some of my stuff. I don't think he's seen all of it. Whereas my mom will go down the rabbit hole and be like, what is happening? And she has all my social media and everything. Like, like she's just more into that. But she also knows now because I've like told her or like when, when she comes to a match and something, I know something is going to happen. I will tell her ahead of time because I don't want her to freak out. Yeah. But like she was there that first triple mania when I broke my nose. And I remember oh, her, she was in the crowd. Yeah, she was in the crowd. And I remember her coming backstage and being like, oh, my God, that fake blood looked amazing. And I was like, Mom, like, no, my nose. Like, and I had a splint. I had, you know, I was like all taped up with my bloodshot eyes. I'm like, do you does this look fake to you so like ever since then I mean obviously that was an accident that it just happened but any, ever since then I always try to tell her like it's it's okay and she'll have some of her friends like some of her best friends have known me since I was like a little kid will see my picture on Facebook or whatever on Instagram of me bleeding all over the place and they're just like oh my god Lorraine what is going on and my mom's just like it's just part of it guys don't get too wound up rapid fire yeah Worst move to have done on you? Brian Cage's powerbomb. <laughs> Favorite opponent? Uh, currently, oh God, that's so hard. I don't have like a favorite, favorite, favorite. I'm just going to say uh, Rosemary, Deanna, Jordan Grace, Chris Statlander. Yeah. <laughs> Who would win in a match, you or John? Me. I've actually beaten him twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's happening now in AEW? Right now in AEW, uh, a lot. So yeah, I just said like the uh, women's TV tournament is starting right away, which I am um, 
you know, hoping to be going very far in and being part of. And I mean, TV, those are my initials. Come on. It's practically named after me. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. I'm excited about, you know, John and I's characters coming together, being on Dynamite, getting on Collision, uh, Rampage, doing ROH. Uh, there's just so many opportunities for us. His storyline with Dalton Castle right now has been so crazy. I mean, the viral videos that have happened from him doing that split spot is insane. Uh, yeah, it's just very exciting. Um, and... We have our new show coming out real quick called Johnny Loves Taya. Where's that going to be? So Johnny Loves Taya is pro wrestling's first scripted, fully scripted romantic comedy series that is going to be living on the AEW YouTube channel. We are very, very proud of it. Uh, Think of Modern Family meets I Love Lucy. It's like short episodes about things that happen, you know, to us in our lives and our friends are part of it. Phoenix, who's been one of my best friends for like over 10 years, he is part of it. Um, yeah, like it's just, I have my friend Laura in it. I'm trying to think Holly is in it. My friend Josh, like it's just these real people in our lives that are all part of the show with us. And it's fully scripted. It was written, uh, you know, and directed by Justin Donaldson, who was part of like Reno 911's writing team and Funny or Die. And, it's just been really cool to like produce something like this with John and Justin and have, you know, AEW rig really believe in us and allow us to kind of make this crazy idea come to fruition. So yeah, it's uh first episode is going to drop on February 14th, Valentine's day. So snuggle up with your loved one and watch Johnny loves Taya. <laughs> and then when's it going to be coming out from there? It's going to be coming out every Wednesday after that, uh, on the YouTube channel. So I'm very excited because it's something so different in pro wrestling. We've seen lots of reality shows, lots of couples, you know, from Mike and Maurice to now like Bianca and Montez and like total divas, even when they're, about their lives and things like that. And this is literally the first time in pro wrestling history that there's been a rom-com series fully scripted. And we're proud to be the ones to do it. And AEW is going to see it first. That's so exciting. <laughs> Guys, yeah. here's a clip. Flips. 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 I love flips. No, we're not doing flips. Flip. I'm AEW star Taya Valkyrie. Mommy to Bowie and Presley, and married to the one, the only, real-life action star, Johnny TV. Why were you in a movie called The Barricade? The Squall that Mauls. Barricade. We're just your average pro wrestling. Movie making. L.A. living. Weapons swinging. Dog loving. Parkour doing. Dinner hosting. Party crashing. Luchadoring couple. Some people think we're a little much, but there's one thing I do. Oh. No, Papa loves Mambo. Christmas loves Mariah, but no one loves like Johnny loves Taya. Whoa, that was sick. <laughs> Can we talk the Jericho cruise? Yes. What was that like? Well, everyone had kind of warned me because John had gone on the first one and he was like, you know, like you're on this boat and there's all, thousands of people on this boat. I've also never been on a cruise before. So first this time. is my first time ever being on a cruise. I'm Where'd it go from? This time it went from Miami to Cozumel and back. Is that Bahamas? Mexico. Mexico, okay. Yes, kind of off the coast of uh, Playa del Carmen, Cancun-ish. Um, so yeah, it was my first time, and I'm kind of claustrophobic, so I was like, I don't know if this is going to, like, am I going to freak out? And it actually was so fun. It was so well organized. The entire team of the Jericho Cruise did a fantastic job. I felt like the fans were super respectful. We were working, like, every single day and doing appearances and... Um, we did, you know, photo ops. We did shows every day. We did an improv show with RJ City, which was crazy and ridiculous. Uh, we also got to screen our movie, The Iron Sheik Massacre, on the second to last night, which was, you know, standing room only, which I was so proud of. Um, and then the next day they showed it on the new movie channel on the cruise ship for the entire day. That was insane to see my to see our movie that we wrote like in everyone's just, cabins, in everyone's cabins, on every treadmill. Um, you know, we just love creating together and when we get to do it and, and see that come to fruition and see every, I love seeing people's reactions to things. Um, I'm like, do you like it? Do you not like it? And when you can hear people laughing, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. So it was really, really fun. I would definitely recommend it to anybody cause it was, it was really cool. How were the matches on a boat? Crazy because the boat is moving. 
And do you feel that while you're? Yeah, yeah. And then like, there was the first like two days. I think it was was like we're fine. You couldn't wasn't rocky and stuff. But then there was like a, the third show, the third day. I had a match with Abaddon, and that boat was moving. It was definitely moving. You can. It's just kind of like this. <laughs> But listen, we just figured it out. We're professionals. <laughs> Did anything extreme happen on it? Um, not that I know of. Yeah, it was fun. We had me and Abaddon had like the the fun match of having a pool deck match. So we fought around the pool deck, and then uh, Johnny TV took a headbutt into the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about, too? No, I feel like we did. We covered a lot of bases. I just want everybody to continue to support AEW, support us on you know, Wednesday Dynamite, Friday Night Rampage, Saturday Collision, as well as Watch ROH. You want to, you don't want to miss a single thing because we're doing really crazy, wonderful storytelling, fun, crazy matches with all different types of new talent and old, old talent, new talent, new faces, people you know. Um, and yeah, definitely check out Johnny Loves Taya coming to AEW's YouTube channel on February 14th. Yeah, going to be linked down below. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much for coming. Of course. Thank you for having me. Cool. <laughs> Guys, go check out Ty. She's going to be linked down below on the new show, Lightweights. Oh, sick. That was great. Thank you so much. Was that okay? Yeah, okay. No, that was me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.